بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته اللهم انفعنا بما علمتنا وعلمنا ما ينفعنا وارزقنا علما تنفعنا به آمين رب العالمين الحمد لله ثم الحمد لله We continue tonight with our lectures on Al-Lu'l-Ul Maknun the cherished pearls of Sirah of the Sirah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam um, Tonight, alhamdulillah, we're moving on to the next section in the book which deals with the Fatra al-Makkiyah which we mentioned at the end of last week's dars that <coughs> the Sirah has two main time periods the period that happened in Mecca and the period that happened later on in Al-Madina. So obviously we start with the, the period that happened in Mecca. As we've just ended off our session or previous sessions on the discussion of the revelation of Wahi. Or how the Prophet received Wahi. The different formats and the different types of Wahi that he would receive. Or the different ways that he received Wahi. Now, that's what we spoke about at the end of last week's lesson. So tonight, inshallah, we start off with the beginning of Al-Fatra Al-Makiyah, which deals with the Meccan period of the Da'wah. And there are two periods or two stages of the Meccan period. The first period is at Da'wah to Sirriyah. When Da'wah was done in secret. When Da'wah was done in secret. Okay, and this continued for for at least three years. This period lasted a period of three years. So tonight's lecture, inshallah, will be about this first period, or should I say the first stage of the Meccan period of the seerah of Rasulullah, or his prophethood, we should say. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he began his da'wah in secret. And this was done not to alert or surprise the people of Mecca, which might cause them to become stirred up or agitated towards him. And so he called people to Islam in secret, and he started with those who were closest to him, with his Ahlul Bayt, the people of his household, his family, and his close friends. This is where he started. And any person that he saw that he, that he understood and that he realized was a person who was a good person, who was a true person, who was a person that was looking for the haqq, a person that loved the truth, that loved goodness, that he knew this was a truthful person and a good righteous person, he would start with these people, right? People that he knew, that were closest to him. And this is how the da'wah started in, of course, the Makkan period soon after revelation had come. The first person that accepted Islam, that believed in him as a messenger, of course when we say believed in him, we know what this means, as a messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the first person was his beloved wife Khadija binti Khuwaylid radiyallahu anha. Out of all people, male or female, the first person to accept Islam was his wife Khadija radiyallahu anha. قال ابن الأثير رحمه الله خديجة أول خلق الله أسلم بإجماع المسلمين لم يتقدمها رجل ولا امرأة ابن الأثير رحمه الله said خديجة was the first of creation that accepted Islam by consensus of the Muslims that he is saying there is no difference of opinion that she was the first and nobody preceded her not a man nor a woman nobody preceded her not a man nor a nor a woman. And the same was stated by Al-Hafidh in Al-Isaba. He said, Khadija binti Khuwaylid, the wife of the Prophet sallallahu She was the, the first one who believed in his prophethood, mutlaqan, meaning unrestrictedly. Not, not restricted to male or female, she was the first, and so forth. Ibn Ishaq, rahimahullah, he said, that Khadija believed in him, Khadija to binti Khuwaylid, and she 
believed in what he came with from Allah and she assisted him in his all in all of his affairs. She supported him. And she was the first one who believed in Allah and the Messenger and what he had come with. And she also eased his affairs. فَكَانَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ The Prophet never heard anything that caused him or that he disliked except that she would respond to it. Any lie that would come, she would respond to the lie. Any information or news that would reach him that caused him to grieve or to become sad, she would make it easy for him. She would relieve him, you know, console him, stand with him, grant him that support. And she gave him that steadfastness and she made things light and easy for him. This was his wife Khadija. She believed him and she, she made him understand and realize that the, what people are saying and doing, are, you know, the affairs of the people are, are insignificant. That it doesn't really matter. ta'ala. And we've spoken about Khadija before at length, alhamdulillah. But as we said, any wife, any female can take great lessons from the personality of Ummul Mu'mineen Khadija bint Khuwailid radiallahu anha. ثُمَّ أَسْلَمَ عَلِي ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anha. The next person to accept Islam was Ali ibn Abi Talib. Firstly, who was Ali? Amir al-Mu'mineen, the cousin of the Prophet and he was the first of the youngsters of the children to accept Islam. He was born before prophethood by about 10 years, which means when the Prophet got prophethood, Ali was about 10 years old. And he was raised and nurtured in the household of who? Where was he raised? He was raised in the household of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. وَشَهِدَ مَعَهُ الْمَشَاهِدِ كُلَّهَا And he fought in every battle with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam except the battle of Tabuk. And of course the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam married his daughter Fatima to him and his virtues are many. The virtues of Ali are many. In fact Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal he said Nothing has reached us regarding the Sahaba like what has reached us regarding Ali. Like what has reached us, what has been narrated regarding the virtues of Ali. And he was killed on the morning of Jumu'ah, on the 17th of Ramadan, on the 40th year of the Hijrah. It's a brief, we're going to give a brief synopsis of some of these Sahaba that we're going to mention today, inshallah. The first of, of those who accepted Islam. So the author says, ثُمَّ أَسْلَمَ Ali." Then the next person to accept Islam was Ali ibn Abi Talib, the cousin of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallama, and he had not reached, not yet reached Bulugh, right? He was still a boy, a kid. He wasn't yet a man. He had not reached adulthood. He was not yet Balik or Mukallaf as we would say. He was about 10 years of, 10 years of age at this time and he never ever worshipped an idol ever, not even during his childhood. And he was in the household of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa from before wahi, from before prophethood. And he's the first of the children that accepted Islam. There's a hadith that he then brings from Al-Hakim in his Mustadrak and also narrated by Ibn Ishaq Bisanadin Hassan with a good chain of narration from Mujahid Ibn Jabr radiallahu anhu who said that from the ni'mah of Allah upon Ali ibn Abi Talib which Allah made for him and what Allah intended for him of goodness was that the Quraysh they experienced a time of extreme difficulty destitution and Abu Talib who is Abu Talib? the uncle of the and who else? to Ali who is he to Ali? his father his Ali's father He's the Prophet of Rasulullah, yes, but he's Ali's father, Ali ibn Abi Talib, the son of Abu Talib, right? So Abu Talib had many dependents, many people to look after, many children and so forth. And so Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa at this time now, 
of difficulty. Remember here, the Prophet is already in, in his, no, 30 odd. This is before Prophethood. So he's in his 30s when this happens. He says to his uncle, Abbas, he says to his uncle, who's the, one of the brothers of Abu Talib, he says to Abbas, Ya Abul Fadl, call him Abul Fadl, your brother Abu Talib has many dependents, and we've seen what's happened to people in this time of destitution, of difficulty. And I mean, we can look around today and something similar, not as bad, but something similar where many people are afflicted because of poverty, because of the whole, you know, lockdown and so forth. So the Prophet ﷺ, he realizes what's happening. He sees what Ali, or should I say, Abu Talib is going through of difficulty, like many of the other people. He says to his uncle as well, Abbas, look, we see what he's going through of difficulty. Let's take some of his dependents and look after them. To make things easy for him. You take one, I take one, and it, it lightens his difficulty, his load. So Abbas said, Naam. Yes, I agree with this. And they went to Abu Talib. So they said to him, we want to lighten your load, make things easy for you, from your dependents, until things become easy once again. Until things pick up, you know, business picks up and so forth. And then you can, of course... I mean, we're not going to claim them. We just, your family, we want to help you out. So he said to them, he basically agreed, right? And Abbas, he took Ja'far. His son Ja'far, Abbas took him in. Abbas took this one in. And the Prophet sallallahu took Ali in. He took Ali in to his home. This, he then remained with him until the Prophet received wahi. So he stayed with him for some years. This is where he got his tarbiyah. This is where he grew up. This is the man that he looked up to as a father figure. Not that he didn't know his father, but this was the home that he lived in. So his entire tarbiyah, his upbringing, his cultivation, his nurturing, his adab, his akhlaq, the rules in the home, all of these things. He's getting from who? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and we said before wahi before prophethood the character of the prophet was still already the best and how Allah azza wa jal protected him from all of the fault of jahiliyyah and so forth um, and so when the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam comes with wahi Ali immediately followed him in that Ali immediately accepted and he believed in him that this is the messenger of Allah because he would have seen the akhlaq and the character of this man from a young age. Even at the age of 10, he knew this is not a normal individual man. This is something special. This is somebody special. And he accepted his message immediately. And the same with Ja'far, who remained with Abbas until he accepted Islam and until he was not in need of him any longer. Then, Aslama. Mawlahu Zayd ibn Harithah al-Kalbi The next to accept Islam was who? Zayd ibn Harithah Zayd ibn Harithah was the freed slave of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam He is Zayd the son of Harithah the son of Shurahbil the son of Harithah the son of Shurahbil he is known as Abu Usama. His kunya is Abu Usama. And he was the beloved of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The beloved of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And initially he belonged to, as a captured slave, he belonged to Khadija. And then she eventually gifted him to the Prophet because the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he saw Zayd and he took a liking to Zayd and he requested that she had grant him to him and she did this and the prophet وسلم, adopted zaid he adopted zaid and it used to be say about him zaid the son of muhammad zaid the son of muhammad and this remained until allah revealed the ayah surah al-ahzab allah said call them by their father's names not by the adopted name so he used to be called Zayd, the son of Muhammad. And after this ayah, we Allah said, call them by their father's names. 
because this is more just with Allah. He then became Zayd ibn Haritha, went back to his father's name. This Sahabi, Zayd, he made hijrah with them, he, made, he fought in Badr with them, um, and these are some of his, his, his virtues, right? He was also killed in the battle with the Romans whilst he was 55 years old. So as I said, after every Sahabi, we're going to mention a brief little synopsis of who they are. And this comes from Al-Isabah, from the book of Ibn Hajar al-Asqalani, rahimahullah. Coming back to the author's words, he says, This is Zayd ibn Haritha al-Kalbi, radiallahu an, the first freed slave that accepted Islam. The first of the freed slaves that accepted Islam. And he was known as the beloved of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And he preferred his parents. Or should I say he preferred the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam over his parents. And how did he get to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam in a hadith in a tirmidhi And by Ibn Ishaq in his book As-Seerah. That Hakim ibn Hizam. Hakim ibn Hizam was... The cousin of Khadija. This man, Hakim, he comes, he's the cousin of Khadija. And he comes from Sham. He comes to them from Sham with some slaves that have been captured. And with them was, amongst them was Zayd ibn Haritha. So when Khadija comes, he says to her, choose any of them that you want. Choose any of these free slave boys that you want. And she chose Zayd. And she took Zayd. And as we see, the Prophet wasallam saw him, he, he instantly liked him. And he requested that she gives him to him. Right? Give Zayd to him. And she gave Zayd to him. And then Rasulullah wasallam freed him. And he adopted him. And as we said, he was then known as Zayd, the son of Muhammad. And this was before Wahi. This was what? Before Wahi. As for the father of Zayd, the father of Zayd had grieved over him extremely. He grieved over Zayd and it's narrated that he said after losing his son to these captives and people who came and they, you know, they, they captured him and so forth. After losing his son, he said, Bakaytu ala Zaydin walam adri ma fa'al ahayyun fayurja am ata dunahu al-ajal. He said, I wept for Zayd, not knowing what became of him. Is he alive? Is he to be expected? Or has death overcome him? فَوَاللَّهِ مَا أَدْرِي وَإِنِّي لَسَائِلٌ By Allah I ask, yet do not understand or comprehend. أَغَالَكَ بَعْدِ السَّهْلُ أَمْ غَالَكَ الْجَبَلُ Was it the plain or the mountain that brought about your end? وَيَا لَيْتَ شِعْرِي هَلْ لَكَ الدَّهْرُ أَوْبَةٌ I wish that I knew will you ever return فَحَسْبِي مِنَ الدُّنْيَا رُجُوعُكَ لِي بَجَلٌ In this world only for your coming back I yearn تُذَكِّرُنِّيهِ الشَّمْسُ عِنْدَ طُلُوعِهَا The sun reminds me of him when it dawns وَتَعْدِضُ ذِكْرَاهُ إِذَا غَرْبُهَا أَفَلْ Evoking his memory as the dust falls, or the dusk falls. When the wind blows, they stir up memories like dust. Oh, how long my sorrow and fear for him lost. These are some of the, the things that he would say on the, on the losing, on the lo- you know, the fact that he lost his son and he grieved for him. Severely. And then what is narrated that he would search the lands from city to city and town to town looking for his son Zaid. And then it reached him that they had been taken to to Mecca. So Haritha, who is his father, he goes to Mecca with his brother. With his brother. And they go to the Prophet after finding out where he is. And they say, Ya ibn Abdullah, or the son of Abdullah, or the son of Abdul Muttalib, or the son of Hashim. 
Oh, the son of the leader of his people. You are the people of the haram. You are the neighbors of the haram. You are the people of this house of Allah. You are those who untie the bonds of, of slavery. You are those who feed the poor and the, and the slaves and, and the prisoners. We came to you for our son is with you. So grant him to us and be easy upon us in terms of his, in terms of his ransom. For we will pay whatever is needed for his ransom. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Man huwa? Who is your son? So they said, Zayd ibn Haritha. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam called Zayd and said to him, If you desire, you can stay with me. And if you want to go, you can go with your father. And Zayd said, But rather I will stay with you. And then he said, وَمَا أَنَا بِالَّذِي أَخْتَارُ عَلَيْكَ أَحَدًا And there is no one that I will choose over you. You are to me like a mother and a father is to me. So they said, وَيْحَكْ يَا زَيْد Woe to you, O Zayd. You take slavery over freedom. And over your father and your uncle and your household. So he said, yes. For I've seen in this man something that I will never choose over him anything, ever. And so Zayd remained with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallama until Prophethood had reached him and he believed in him and he accepted Islam and he prayed with him and then Allah Azza wa revealed Ud'uhum li'aba'ihim Call him by his father's Paul called them in general by their father's names and this is when he said I am therefore Zayd ibn Haritha I am Zayd the son of Haritha So that's the hadith in At-Tirmidhi about Zayd ibn Haritha so he was the first of the, the freed slaves that accepted Islam. As for the daughters of the Prophet then of course all of them accepted Islam and they were immediately in the acceptance of Islam. They had no doubt of course that their father was a righteous man and the best of men. So as, you know, he when he came with Prophethood, they immediately accepted Islam. Um, Islam and they all made hijrah with him and so forth. Tayyip. The first person that was outside the household. So he's spoken about his wife, he's spoken about his daughters, he's spoken about Ali, his cousin who lived in his home, who grew up in his home, and he spoke about his freed slave Zahid ibn Haritha. The first person from outside of his household that accepted Islam was who? Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiyallahu anhu Who is Abu Bakr as-Siddiq? Amirul Mu'mineen What's his name? What's his name? Shayba Shayba Abdurrahman You think about Abu Hurairah Abu Hurairah's name is Abdurrahman Shayba is Abdul Muttalib Abdul Muttalib is Shayba Hashim's name was Amr. Abu Bakr's name was Abdullah. Abdullah, the son of Uthman, Ibn Amir al-Qurashi al-Taymi. His name is Abdullah, the son of Uthman, the son of Amir. Write that down. Abu Bakr, his name is Abdullah, the son of Uthman. The son of Amir. And he was a Qurashi from the Quraysh. And from the Taymi tribes. Siddiqu hadhi al-Ummah. The truthful one of this Ummah. Wa Khalifata Rasulillah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he is the true Khalifa of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He was born two years and a few months after Al-Fil. The happening of the elephant. Who was born in the year of the elephant? Prophet ﷺ. Which means he's born two and a few months. Two years and a few months after Rasulullah ﷺ. He was his companion from before prophethood. They were friends. Close friends from before prophethood. And he immediately he was from the forerunners to Iman. And he stayed with him. His entire time in Mecca. The entire time that they were in Mecca. Abu Bakr was with him, alongside him. 
and he was his companion on the journey of hijrah he was the one who made hijrah with him wafil ghar and in the cave when they took refuge right the quran speaks about it the two of them that was in the cave and in every battle that took place abu bakr was alongside rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam up until he died up until the the death of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam his nickname was atiq his nickname was atiq which means the freed one the freed one and this because it comes in a hadith where the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said you are the atiq you are al atiq from the fire you are the one who's free from the fire you've been freed from the fire and this is why he was known as atiq and he became well known for this name atiq and he's the best of this ummah after the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and ibn hajar says his virtues are beyond counting is way too much to mention in terms of his virtue it, it's it's beyond numbers he died on a monday in jamal al-ula in the 13th year of the hijrah in the 13th year after hijrah and he was 63 years old he was 63 years old طيب so abu bakr as-siddiq was the first to get to accept islam from outside of the household of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam the first to believe in the messenger from the men the men the balighin the people who were mukallaf and the people who was free zaid remember zaid was also young and he was a, free, a slave whereas ali was also a youngster abu bakr is the first man to accept islam and the first person from outside of his home طيب <clears throat> as we said he was his friend before prophethood and he was younger than the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam by two by two years say two and a half years approximately by two and a half years approximately and he was known for his trustworthiness his amana a man of responsibility his beautiful character and akhlaq which always prevented him from lies and from you know and so forth and this is why the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam mentioned that he was of the only people that did not ever falter or hesitate to believe in the messenger of allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam in a hadith he says i did not invite any person to islam except that he was always a a pause a moment of hesitation a moment of of reflection that first to think and you know what a raddud and a moment of confusion except for abu bakr ibn abi quhafa ma'akama he said he never he never lingered or hesitated the moment i invited him and and spoke to him he accepted and he had no confusion or doubt regarding it the sheikh then mentioned some evidence for the accept the fact that abu bakr was of the first to accept islam and he says there's many evidences for this that he was the first to accept islam from the men and he brings a hadith in at tirmidhi for the good chain of narration from abu sa'id al-khudri radiyallahu anhu said that abu bakr radiyallahu anhu said when he took hold of the khilafah became the khalifa and he said alastu ahaqqa an-nasi biha alastu awwalu man aslam aw awwala man aslam he said am i not the person who's most deserving of this and am i not the first person to have accepted islam and what he meant by this is the outsider not part of his family to accept islam and again the sahaba nobody you know objected to this they would accept it yes you were yes you are the most deserved and yes you were the first or was you were of the first to accept islam in another hadith it was asked to ibn abbas radiyallahu anhuma who was the first to accept and he said abu bakr as-siddiq and then he said have you not heard what hassan ibn thabit the famous poet had said then he mentioned some lengthy lines of poetry within these lines of poetry speaking about abu bakr he said wa awwalu an-nasi minhum saddaqa ar-rusul and he was of the first people from him who uh, believed in the prophethood right so this is evidence clear evidence that sahaba all basically knew and agreed that he was of the first two um accept islam 
As for his manzilah, as for his status with the Quraysh and his da'wah to Islam, then Ibn Ishaq, rahimahullah, he said that when Abu Bakr al-Siddiq accepted Islam, he made his Islam apparent and he invited, he did da'wah to Allah and to the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa And Abu Bakr was a man who was beloved to all. He was loved by everyone because of his character once again. And he was also very knowledgeable about genealogy. So he knew about, you know, about lineage, about this. And people would come to him and ask him questions about this, especially the Qurayshis. You know, these were Arabs, they proud of the lineage. So they always came to him and asked him questions about this. And they were, he was someone that was noble and he was someone that was loved by all. So people would come and sit with him and people would come and ask him questions about this knowledge of his. And he was also known for being a businessman. So they came to him often. And then he would invite them to Allah. And he would invite them to Islam. Those whom he trusted. Those whom he, he trusted. And so forth. Tayyip. So before we move on, we then have to make mention, the author makes mention of those whom accepted Islam by the hand of Abu Bakr. The people who accepted Islam by the hand of Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anhu. Who accepted Islam from him? Do we know of anyone? Uthman ibn Affan. Not Umar. Uthman ibn Affan accepted Islam on the hand of Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anhu. Uthman ibn Affan ibn Abil As. Who is Uthman? Amir al-Mu'mineen. He was born six years after the happening of the incident of the elephant. He was of the first people to accept Islam. And he did both hijras. The hijra to Habasha and the hijra to Medina. And the Prophet ﷺ married him off to two of his daughters, Ruqayyah and Umm Kulthum. Umm Kulthum radiallahu anhuma. And this is why he was known as the Nurain, the possessor of two lights. Because nobody else had this honor. He was also one of the ten that was guaranteed paradise. One of the ten that was guaranteed paradise. And he was killed on the day of Jumu'ah. He was killed on the day of Jumu'ah. On the 18th day of Dhul Hijjah. After Asr. In the year 35 after Hijrah. And he was buried on the Saturday between Maghrib and Isha. Whilst he was 82 years old. He was 82 years old, according to the correct view, as mentioned by Ibn Hajar. And again, the virtues of these khulafa, especially, are way too many to mention. Ali, Abu Bakr, Uthman, yeah, way too many to mention. Right? The virtues are, it really requires a series by itself. So Uthman accepted Islam on his hand. Also, as Zubair ibn al-Awam. Zubair ibn al-Awam. And a point to make mention here is, Look at the status of Abu Bakr. We all know the virtue. If somebody learns one thing from you and they implement that knowledge, whenever they learn or whatever good they do, based on that, you will get reward. Look at the men that accepted Islam on his hand and what they went to achieve. All of the good that they did goes back to who? Abu Bakr. And of course back to Rasulullah as well. But look at the virtue of Abu Bakr as well. He is not a prophet, so it's something different. Imagine all the good Uthman had, and all the good Uthman did. It goes back to Abu Bakr. As Zubair ibn al-Awam, as Zubair ibn al-Awam, radiyallahu anhu. Who is Zubair? Zubair's mother was Safiyah, the daughter of Abdul Muttalib. So that makes him who? The cousin of Rasulullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Zubair. He accepted Islam in the early days as well. And he, at the time he was 15 years old. 15 years old. He was also of the 10 that was guaranteed Jannah. And he was also killed in Jamal al-Ula in the 6th or in the 36th year after Hijrah. And he was 40 years, sorry, he was 64 years old at the time. Then 
Abdul Rahman ibn Auf. Abdul Rahman ibn Auf. Famous Sahabi. From the earliest of people to accept Islam. He also did the Hijrah to Habasha and to Medina. He fought in, the, in Badr, he fought in Uhud, and in all of the battles. And his virtues are also plenty. Sa'd ibn Abi Waqqas. Sa'd ibn Abi Waqqas accepted Islam in the hand of Abu Bakr. Sa'd, it is said, was the seventh person to accept Islam. Sa'd, it is said that he was the seventh person to accept Islam. Also one of the ten that was guaranteed Jannah. And he's the first person to have killed in the path of Allah. And this will come up later on, inshallah. And he was also known to be of the people who was, his du'as was always answered. His du'as was mustajab. Because the Prophet made du'a that Allah accepts his du'as. Talha ibn Ubaidillah. Talha, the son of Ubaidullah. Talha, another famous Sahabi. Another famous Sahabi. From the Tenetus Garanti Jannah. And he was of the six that was made as the Shura council by Umar. He, he elected who? Talha to be from amongst them. Then we have, or firstly the other author says, these individuals, these ones that we mentioned, Uthman, Zubair, Abdurrahman ibn Auf, Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas, and Talha. These five that he mentions with Abu Bakr, they were the first of people to accept Islam. And they were the first group, and they were the true forerunners of Islam. These, this group of Sahaba, they were the true forerunners that came into Islam. So Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiallahu anhu, when they accepted the message from him, he would take them to the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and they would accept by him, and they became the true soldiers of this deen. They did sincere da'wah for the sake of Allah, for this deen. Then, after them, many other Muslimin entered. From amongst them was Ubaid, Abu Ubaidah ibn al-Jarrah, Abu Ubaidah ibn al-Jarrah, wa Abu Salama ibn Abdul Asad. Who is Abu Salama? We've spoken about him before. What was it that we mentioned about Abu Salama? Abu Salama was who to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallama? Abu Salama and Hamza. Yes, we mentioned them together. Why? What was the story about these two men, Abu Salama and Hamza? Abu Salama was, his name is Abdullah ibn Abdul Asad al-Qurashi, right? His name is Abdullah as well, ibn, ibn Abdul Asad. He's known as Abu Salama and he's the cousin of the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. His mother is Barra, the daughter of Abdul Muttalib and he is the brother of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallama, him and who? Hamza. Why? How are they brothers? Milk brothers. They had the same nursing mother. Who was, what, what was her name? Huh? Konya. Halima. Incorrect. Incorrect. We mentioned this woman. Her name was Thuwaybah. Her name was Thuwaybah. Right, we spoke about her before we spoke about Halima. So Thuwayba was one of the nursing mothers of Rasulullah and Hamza and Abu Abu Salama. Right, this is when we spoke about Abu Salama and Hamza and so forth. And remember I mentioned the hadith about people suggested that the Prophet marries his daughter and marries the daughter of Hamza. And he said no, because we are brothers to each other. Through Thuwayba, who was our nursing mother, and so forth. Another one that is, was Arqam, Ibn Abil Arqam. And we're going to speak about Arqam later on as well. He was from the first that accepted Islam, fought in Badr, and so forth. Then we have Uthman Ibn Mad'un. Uthman Ibn Mad'un. He was, it says, the 14th man that accepted Islam. He did both hijras, did battle of Badr, and he was of the most strict of people when it came to worship. He was the one who would fast the nights, stand up the whole, sorry, fast the day, fast and then stand at night and make qiyamul layl, and he refused to get married, right? 
in this hadith about this where the Prophet advised him, you know, how to be balanced and so forth. But this is who he was. His brother was Qudama and Abdullah. Qudama and Abdullah. Then we have Wa'ubayd ibn al-Harith ibn Abdul Muttalib, Sa'id ibn Zayd ibn Amr ibn Nufayl, and his wife Fatima bint al-Khattab. Who is this woman? Fatima bint al-Khattab. Who is Fatima bint al-Khattab? Ya Allah, we got two Fatimas that must know who Fatima is. Ahsant, Umar's sister. Umar's sister was one of the first to accept Islam. Her name was Fatima. Fatima, the daughter of Al-Khattab. Her husband was Sa'id ibn Zayd. Both of them accepted Islam in the early days. So Fatima, the daughter of Khattab, was the sister of Umar ibn Khattab, radiallahu anhum ajma'een. Um, and obviously this was before Umar. Umar is not still an, an, an enemy here, right? وَأَسْمَاءَ بِنْتِ أَبِي بَكِرِ Who is Asma? The daughter of Abu Bakr. What else do we know about Abu ba- the daughter? What else do we know about her? Asma. Okay, good. She would bring the food to them, yes. Also, who was her husband? Who is her husband? Her husband is Zubair ibn al-Awam. Her husband is Az-Zubair ibn al-Awam. And she therefore is the mother of Abdullah ibn al-Zubair. Abdullah ibn al-Zubair is a famous Sahabi who narrates many hadith. Abdullah ibn Zubair. Right? She is the mother of Abdullah ibn Zubair. And she is the daughter of Abu Bakr. And of course she is the sister of Aisha. And she was of the first to accept Islam as well. And she reached the age of 100. And she never lost a tooth, nor did her aql change. Her intelligence remained with her. She was as sharp as ever. So she was an old woman, but she was still fresh and young at mind and at heart. And at heart. And she was healthy physically and so forth. And then she passed away after her son Abdullah eventually was killed. Her son Abdullah was martyred and she was she passed away not long after very shortly after that in the year Thalathan uh, was Sabina lid Hijrah. Seventy-three years after Hijrah. Seventy-three years after Hijrah she passes away, Radiallahu Anha. Wa Ummul Fadl. Ummul Fadl is Lubaba al Kubra bintul Harith. Ummul Fadl. Her name is Lubaba, the daughter of Al-Hadith. So she is the wife of Abbas, the son of Abdul Muttalib. So she is the wife of the uncle of the Prophet And she is the sister of Maymuna, the wife of the Prophet um, And she is also the Khala of Khalid ibn Walid. She is the auntie of Khalid ibn Al-Walid. And then we have Khabab ibn al-Arat. Khabab ibn al-Arat. Khabab was a, a blacksmith. He was a blacksmith. And then he was eventually captured and he was sold in Mecca. He was again from the earliest of people to accept Islam. And he was also tortured in the path of Allah by the enemies. He also fought in Badr and Uhud and all of the battles with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallama. He eventually goes to Kufa and he passes away there. And he's the first of the Sahaba who's buried in Kufa. First of the Sahaba that's buried in Kufa. Then we've got Utbah ibn Ghazwan. Utbah ibn Ghazwan. Wa'umayd ibn Abi Waqqas. Who's the brother of Sa'd ibn Abi Waqqas. Sa'd ibn Abi Waqqas. Yes, his brother Umayr. And then we have Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. The famous Sahabi. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. Who's Abdullah ibn Mas'ud? Abdullah ibn Mas'ud is the Imam, the scholar of this Ummah, the Faqih of this Ummah. From the first of people to accept Islam, he did both hijras to Habasha and to Medina, and he's the first one who, who, who recited the Quran out loud. The first one to have recited the Quran out loud was Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. And he took directly from the mouth of the Messenger of Allah, 70 surahs. 
He learned directly from the mouth of the Messenger of Allah 70 surahs. And nobody had a dispute with him regarding this. He fought in Badr, in Uhud, in Khandaq, the Battle of the Trench. He was there for the Bay'atul Ridwan. And all of the other major events that happened in the life of the Prophet And again, his virtues are plenty. His virtues are plenty. He died in Medina in the year 32 after Hijrah. And he was buried in Al-Baqi' Right, he's buried in Al-Baqi' And he was 63 years old as well 63 years old as well Then what happened after this is More people started to hear about this da'wah Right These people then would also Start to spread this da'wah slowly And the first of people would come Was the fuqara The poor people They were the ones who came and accepted Islam First, and then the author mentions a number of names that there's no time to go into all of these names. We mentioned some of the main names and a little bit about them. I'm just going to read the names of who he mentions. He mentions Mas'ud ibn Rabi'ah al-Qari, Wasalit ibn Amr, and his brother Hatib, Wa'iyash ibn Abi Rabi'ah, and his wife Asma' bint Salama, Wa'khunais ibn Hudafa. وعامر ابن ربيعه وعبد الله ابن جحش and his brother Abu Ahmad عبد ابن جحش وجعفر ابن أبي طالب this is who the brother of Ali Abu Talib's son جعفر who who read him Abbas remember we mentioned him earlier جعفر also accepts Islam and his his wife أسماء بنت عميس also famous صحابية أسماء بنت عميس and then Hatib ibn al-Harith and his wife Fatima bint al-Mujallal. Another Fatima. Wa'akhuhu and her brother, his brother, Hattab ibn al-Harith. And his wife Fukayha bint Yasar. Wa'ma'mar ibn al-Harith. Wa'sa'ib ibn Mad'oon. Wa'l-Mutallib ibn Azhar. And his wife Ramlah bint Abi Awf. Wa'nu'aym ibn Abdullah al-Nahham. Wa'amir ibn Fuhayra. The free slave of Abu Bakr. وخالد ابن سعيد ابن العاص and his wife أميمة بنت خلف وأبو حذيفة ابن عتبة وواقد ابن عبد الله وخالد وعامر وعاقل وإياس بن البكير ابن عبد ياليل وعمار ابن ياسر وصهيب ابن سنان حليف بني تميم وبلال ابن رباح الحبشي that's a famous name again that we know بلال ابن رباح right we know بلال the free slave of Abu Bakr the Mu'addin of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam He was also from the first to accept Islam How did he become a Muslim? Or how did he Abu Bakr was the one who purchased him And freed him Right, Abu Bakr was, was the one who purchased him And freed him And he then spent time with the, He stayed and stuck with the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam And he was his Mu'addin He would give the Adhan for him He was also someone who was punished and tortured by the enemies of Allah, for the sake of Allah. He fought in Al-Badr and all of the other battles, and he died in Dimashq. He died in Dimashq. And this was in the year 20 after Hijrah, and he was um, 63 years old as well. He was also 63 years old when he passed away. Mus'ab ibn Umair was another one, famous companion. Mus'ab ibn Umair. He was the, a youngster from Mecca and from the most handsome of them, Mus'ab ibn Umair. He was from the earliest people to accept Islam in the house of Al-Arqam, Darul Arqam. And he hid his Islam for he was fearful of his mother and his people. And his story again is, inshallah, it will come up. Right, he was the one who was killed in the Battle of Uhud. Right, his story is, will come up inshallah. He was killed in the Battle of Uhud. And Amr ibn Abasa radiallahu anhum ajma'in. Right, this is a long list that we mentioned of the first people that accepted Islam slowly, many of them at the hand of Abu Bakr as Siddiq radiallahu So these are the, the group that accepted Islam sirran, in secret. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he would gather them and then. You know, teach them, give them some direction, but all in, in secret, whilst they were hidden. 
was the da'wah at the time was not in, in you know like out widespread in, in, in groups it was it was one by one one on one and it was in secret but yet the wahi did wahi stop wahi never stopped right? we spoke about when wahi stopped those periods wahi continued to come regularly after mudathir surah mudathir although the ayat at the time the parts of the Quran were revealed at the time were short there were short ayat that were wonderful with strong pauses and fascinating rhythms in full harmony. It's the ayat that were revealed with, were, were specifically chosen by Allah like this. Short pauses full of, you know, that, that flowed. That flowed with the consonants. And this was in harmony of the, the climate at the time that they required, you know. And most of the ayat, the central topic was focused on tazkiyatun nafs. Was focused on tazkiyatun nafs, purifying the soul and preventing the Muslims from falling prey to the to their desires. The ayat also described Jannah and Jahannam very clearly, as if you could see it with your eyes. And it led the believers down a new course which was completely opposed to the ill practices widespread amongst the companions at the time. So these were the type of ayat that they got initially. Short, sweet ayat that they could easy to learn, easy to recite, that flowed rhythmically, you know, um, that spoke mostly about the tazkiyat nafs and about Jannah and Jahannam and so forth, that gave them that hope, that gave them that purity and so forth. What also happened in these three years is we find that wudu was made compulsory during this time. Or at least wudu was practiced by the Prophet ﷺ in this time. There's a hadith in the Mushnah of Ahmad which says that Jibreel came to the Prophet ﷺ and he taught him wudu and salah. He taught him wudu and salah and this was in the early days of wahi. This was in the earliest time of wahi. In another hadith, also in the Musnad, from Abba, Ibn Abbas, عنهما, he said that Fatima, anha, she came to the Prophet وسلم, and she was crying. She complained about the Quraysh and so forth. And so Rasulullah said to her, Ya Bunayya, eatini bi wadu'in. He said to her, as if don't worry about them, but my daughter, bring me the wadu', yani the water for wudu', bring it to me. And so he took wudu and then he went and he entered the masjid. So this basically proves that there was some type of wudu that was practiced in the early days of hijrah. Oh sorry, in the early days of prophethood. In the very early days of prophethood, there was some type of wudu that was practiced. Along with this, there was also salah that was done. Regarding the ayah of the Quran, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَسَبِّحْ بِحَمْدِ رَبِّكَ قَبْلَ طُلُوعِ الشَّمْسِ وَقَبْلَ الْغُرُوبِ And glorify, glorify the praises of your Rabb before the, the rising of the sun and before the setting of the sun. Ibn Kathir, rahimahullah, he said that salah was compulsory before the Isra' before Isra and the Mi'raj took place. Only two types of salah. One before sunrise, and one before sunset. So like the waqt of Fajr and the waqt of Asr. And Qiyamul Layl was wajib, as we explained before, upon the Prophet and upon his Ummah for one year. And then this was abrogated later on. Then that two Salahs that they used to pray was also abrogated when the Isra took place. When the Isra happened, the five daily compulsory salahs then took its place and those those two salahs became abrogated. Understand? So what we find is that during the early days there was wudu and there was two salahs that was obligated. Then later on came the five and so forth. The details came later on but this practice was done and this is how they used to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala during the very early days of Islam. So the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, he used to instruct his sahaba, the few of them that there was, 
to always maintain care and warning and be alert and not to proclaim the Islam out loud and in public rather to hide it until the affair of Allah comes you know and until Allah decides that things will change so when they wanted to make salah they would go out to the valleys between the mountains and they would hide away so that they can pray without the Quraysh seeing them and this is how it stayed for the entire period of this da'wah as-sirriya, the secret, the secret type of da'wah during this time. So one day, whilst they went out and they prayed, Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas, as I mentioned, we're going to come back to Sa'ad. Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas, radiallahu an, he was with a group of the Sahaba in one of the valleys, from the valleys of Mecca, to go pray, right? To go make salah. So whilst they're making salah, a group of, of mushrikeen come across them and they see what they are doing. They see them making salah and they immediately rebuke them. They immediately are opposed to this practice. And they do not leave them until they start to get physical and start to fight them. And the Muslimin are then forced to defend themselves. And so Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas radiallahu anhu he strikes one of the mushrikeen with, with a jawbone of a, of a camel. With a jawbone of a camel. And this was the first blood that is then spilt in Islam. This is the first blood that is spilt. You know, fisa bilillah. This was a jihad. This is a form of jihad for them. This was done by who? Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas. He stood up and he smashed one of them with a jawbone of a, of a camel. And this man was, of course, um, heavily injured. So, this is another hadith which says that Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas was the first one to, to spill blood. Fi this is an honor for him. It's not an uh, evil act that he did. It was defense. It was self-defense. This is an honor for Sa'ad. And we mentioned some of his virtues. So, this happened, as we know, during the early days when they would hide away. The reason for hiding away is, is clear. And that is because they had no way, nor did they have the power to fight the Quraysh. And the hikmah was, we're going to grow our numbers slowly, 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 until we can stand together. Until we are strong enough to, to overcome them, or at least to defend ourselves. So Rasulullah he goes to the house of Al-Arqam. After this happened, they go to the house of Al-Arqam. Have you heard of Darul Arqam? This is where Darul Arqam. Dar means the house. The house of Al-Arqam. What did they do at this Darul Arqam? Darul Arqam became the, like a safe house for them. Became like a safe house for them. His house was on top of Safa, the hill, right? It was up there. And the people could not really see what was happening up there. So it was like a safe haven for them, like a private place for them that they would go to, that they where the Quraysh couldn't see what they were up to. And remember, it wasn't like they would march together, they'd meet there one by one, here and there and so forth. And this became like a markaz for them, you know, like a center for them. This was the Islamic center and so forth. And this is where the da'wah was done further. And people would come and they would learn from the Prophet ﷺ. He would give them guidance, he would teach them, give them the tarbiyah and so forth. Until these men became strong and firm, such that no matter what they faced of harm and difficulty and bala and pain, for the sake of their deen and their aqidah, they would belittle it. They were strong. And they remained in this way until, until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decided things will now have to change. So three years go by. In this period of da'wah, sirriya, right? The secret da'wah period. For three years this goes by. There's now many Muslimi that have accepted. You know, they're growing slowly but surely. But the main thing is, stay united. Try to spread the deen of Islam. Strengthen the bonds of brotherhood. Spread the message where you can and so forth. Until Allah then eventually reveals wahi where he instructs his messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to proclaim his deen. 
It's no longer secret. It's now time to spread the message publicly and to counter their falsehood and to oppose them in terms of their shirk and in terms of their false worship and so forth. Understand? So, after this period comes the period of Al-Da'wah or Al-Jahru Bid-Da'wah where Da'wah now starts to be done out loud and in public. Right? And this we will continue from next week. Bi-Idhillahi Ta'ala Wa sallallahu ala nabiyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik Shadu an la ilaha illa at astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayka